Well, good morning, church. Glad you're here this morning. We are going to continue in our series called The Best News. And hopefully last week, if you weren't here, catch you up a little bit. If you were here, hopefully last week, as we began this new series called The Best News, that we were reminded of some stuff. And if you weren't here, let me just kind of remind you some things that we can all agree that the world we live in, there's some bad news out there. Amen? Okay, some of you are not convinced, but there are. There's some bad news out there. And then if you think it's like can't get any, like you've seen as bad as it can get, it gets what? Worse, right? And then the thing also is for many of our lives, we have a lot of good news in our lives. And my point last week as we began was this, that we know there's a lot of bad news, we know there's a lot of worse news, and we know there is good news, and oftentimes we are quick to share those things. We are quick to share when, when something bad has happened in our life and there's bad news. We're quick to share when worse things happen, things are catastrophic and tragic in our lives. And we're also quick to share about the good news things in our life that happen to us and it's exciting. And, but my question was this last week, how driven are we to share the best news? So we talk about the bad, the worse, and the good, but what about the best? As a follower of Jesus Christ, what is the best news? That Jesus died for me. And that the act of salvation is a free gift from a holy God. That's the best news. And as quickly as we are to share about maybe the, the promotion you got or maybe a grandchild or a son or a daughter or kids or, you know, whatever, whatever you're willing to share that's good, bad, and worse, as quick as we are to share those things, how quick and how motivated and how driven are we to share the best news? And my goal last week, my prayer was this, is that we would understand as believers what the bad news is spiritually. The bad news is we all sin. We all miss the mark. The worst news is you can't fix it on your own. You on your best day with your best attitude, with your best religious clothes on, with your best effort can't do enough to earn God's forgiveness and to pay your sin debt. But the good news is Jesus took your place. But you know what the best news is? That that taking your place, the gift he offers, is just that. It's a gift. It is a free gift. And last week, we wanted to be able to talk about what was the bad, the worst, the good, and the best news. And then we talked about why it was so important for you and I as believers to know that. And so my prayer has been this, as we kind of go through the series, is that as a followers of Christ, that we would not only know what the best news is, but there would be something in us that would stir us and motivate us to be willing to share the best news with other people. Because let's just think about it this way. If this is really the best news, if you're a believer, do you agree this is the best news, that Jesus died, rose again, and that gift is a free gift? If you believe that, shout amen. amen. But are we sharing it? See, now I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm pointing them at me too because I struggle with this too. But are we sharing it? And so today I thought what we would do is I want to take a look at a guy who was passionate. He had a heart to share the good news of Christ. And I want to look at his life and what he did and say, what is it about him that if we're going to have a heart to share the gospel, what is required of us that we see in his life? And really, we're going to see three things are required. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 8 is where I'm going to be. Acts chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26. And it is a little bit of a lengthy passage, but if you're okay with this, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word. If you can't stand, you need to stay seated. That's fine. But I'm going to read this together. Here's what the word of God says. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court of official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all the treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like sheep was led to the slaughter, a lamb, like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, who can describe his generation, for his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began, beginning with scripture, he told the good news about Jesus. And they, and some, excuse me, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's the water, what prevents me from being baptized? And the command the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and when he went, he was on his own way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he was passing through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. God, I love you, <coughs> and I thank you for today. And I thank you that today for a few moments we have the privilege to sneak a peek into the life of Philip. And God, as we look at his life, may we see a guy who is passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus. And we see some things in him that if we're going to have a heart to share the gospel, if we're going to have the heart to share the good news, there's some things in us that are required that we see in the life of Philip. So God, would you just open your word to our hearts today? May you challenge us, may you convict us, but Lord, may we leave here this morning changed by your Holy Spirit. So God, be with us, for it's in your precious son's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at the passage, there's three things I want us to notice. Three things that I believe are required of us if we're going to have the heart to share the gospel. And here's the first one. We have to have the faith to go. We've got to have the faith to go. go. Look back with me in verse 26, what he says. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go. And toward the south, to the, down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert place. And he rose and he went. So the first thing we see Philip do is this angel shows up, right? This angel says to Philip, hey, here's what I want you to do, Philip. <coughs> Excuse me. So I want you to rise and I want you to go to Gaza, down by Gaza. Now, what's interesting is Gaza is a place that has been destroyed. So it used to be a place of probably some good commerce, some good trade, a lot of people. But Gaza has been destroyed. I mean, now it's a place of small population. And the angel says, I want you to go south, and I want you to go through Gaza. And so it's kind of peculiar that the angel would tell this guy who's so passionate about sharing the gospel, I want you to go to a place where there's almost no people. There's almost nobody there. In fact, he says, then I want you to take a road, and he said, this is a desert place. In other words, I want you to take a road that is less traveled. There was two roads that went from Jerusalem to Gaza, one that was heavily trafficked, one that was less traveled. And he said, I want you to take the less traveled road. Now think about this for a moment. From a human perspective, this makes absolutely no sense, right? The angel says, hey, uh, Philip, here's what I want you to do. I want you to rise and go. But what he asked him to do seems to make no sense. You want, so in other words, angel from the Lord, you want me to go to a place where there's not many people. That's right. And you want me to travel a road that is desolate, that is less traveled, where I'm probably not going to see anybody. Yes, that's right. 
Now, the reason this is interesting is because Philip, like many of the disciples, <coughs> excuse me, has just come from the area of Samaria where they've been sharing the gospel, and they've had great fruit in sharing the gospel. And so now I'm sure after sharing it and seeing all these people saved, Philip is like, he's pumped up. I mean, he's ready to attack hell with a water pistol. I mean, this guy is ready to go share the gospel. And the angel says, but I want you to go to a place where it's going to be kind of desolate, and I want you to take a road. You're probably not going to see anybody. Rise and go. Now, if you were Doug, or if you, if you guys, if we knew that, there would probably be a part of us that would say, pausing, okay, I hear you, angel, but with everything I've experienced, everything that I've done, with the passion that is within me, it makes no real sense to me that you want me to go to a place where there's not that many people, and you want me to travel a road where I'm probably not going to see anybody. Could you please explain that to me? That's what we would think, isn't it? But notice what Philip did. Verse 27, rise and go, verse 27, and he rose and what? Went. Rise and go, and he rose and went. Do you see a moment where Philip goes, time out, this doesn't make sense to me. Do you remember, do you, do you remember? I mean, you're an angel, I'm sure you have privy information. Do you remember Samaria? Do you remember all the people that got saved? Do you remember the lives that were changed? Do you understand what you're asking me to do does not make any human sense and what you're asking me to do is go somewhere? I mean, I'm ready to share the gospel and you're telling me to go a path that I'm probably not going to get that opportunity. Do you think there was ever a moment that Philip was, wait, time out? No. The angel said, rise and go, and scripture says Philip rose and went. Now, here's what's interesting. Philip understood something that I hope we understand. Philip understood that in this moment, he had to take a huge step of faith. See, when the angel said, rise and go, the reason Philip rose and he went is because Philip knew something that we need to know, that if God is calling him to do something, that God's already made preparation for it. That if God is calling him to do something, that means God is in it. If God is calling him to get up and go, that means God is sovereignly creating a divine moment and he wants to use Philip in it. So Philip goes, like, if God is calling me, God has got a plan. God has got a purpose. And God is going to do something that can only happen if I rise and I go. So Philip rose and he went. See, what I love about Philip is instead of playing what the role we would play and going, time out, I've got questions, I've got concerns, I need some explanation. No, no, no. He just rose and went. What did he do? He just rose and what? I hope we get that this morning, right? He just rose and he went. He trusted the Lord. He knew that if God was calling him, that means God had gone on before him. That means God had already made preparation. That means God has a plan. Even though Philip is not privy to that plan, God has a plan. And God is, listen, God is already sovereignly orchestrating and working out what God wants to do and God's plan. And he wants to use Philip part of it. And so Philip just, he submits the Lord and he rises and go. Why? Because he wants to be used by God. Now I want you to think about this. If we are going to have a passion to share our faith, and to share the best news ever, we've got to have the faith to go. Now, here's my question. I know you've all experienced this, but there's been moments in all of our lives as believers that we have felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, well, if an angel appeared to me, I would rise and go to him. No, you wouldn't. You've got God in you and we don't go. That kind of hurt, didn't it, right? Because we know it's true. We don't need an angel. He, the Holy Spirit is in us. 
And all of us felt moments of the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And my question is, when you felt those nudging of the Holy Spirit that was telling you to rise and to go, did you rise and go? Or did you stay? Was there moments that we were driven to rise and to go? Or was there moments that we were like cautiously wanting to sit down and reason? I don't know about you, but I like to reason with the Lord. Anybody else like that? Okay, great. We're never right and we never win, but we like to do that, right? We do want to reason with the Lord. And I'm about you, but I like to know God's plans. I like to know how it's going to flesh out in my life. I like to know how it's going to unfold. I like to see the big picture, but God has not called me to see the big picture. God has just called me to rise and go. And some of us need to understand, like Philip, that if we're going to have a heart that is willing to share, and we're going to have a heart that's passionate about sharing the good news of Christ, the best news ever, we've got to have a heart that says, I'm just willing to rise and go. When you nudge me, I'm going. I'm not going to stop, and I'm not going to call the time out, and I'm not going to try to reason this thing out, but I'm going to rise, and I'm going to go. Now, some of us, it's not just about that. It's, you know, when you feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit, maybe what you feel is fear, and you're not driven by faith, right? Because fear sits in, and we're going to talk about that next week, fear, because the reality of fear is fear is paralyzing just when it comes to sharing our faith, right? Because we all have the fear of, what if I don't know enough? And I get this question all the time. Well, what if they ask me something and I don't know the answer? Well, that's awesome. Because guess what? I don't know all the answers. But here's the promise I can make them. I don't know, but I will find out, and we will have the continuation of this conversation later. See, every fear we have to why we don't share the gospel is null and void. Every fear that we have, in fact, the spirit of fear does not come from the Lord, does it? He says, I've not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. We don't have fear that doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from Satan, that's right. And so many of us, when we think about sharing our faith, what we feel is fear, and we're driven by it, and we're not driven by our faith. Now, I want you to hear me on this church this morning. If we are going to have a passion to share the best news ever, we've got to have a faith that is willing to go. A faith that says, Lord, I trust your plans even though I don't see them. Lord, I trust your purpose even though I don't understand it. Lord, I trust your power because it's going to take your power to get me to do it and to get me through it. But I trust you. And I pray today, before we leave today, there's a bunch of people, a part of Cross Life East, that said, I'm going to have the faith to go. When the Holy Spirit nudges, the answer is going to be yes and amen, not woe and wait a minute. Right? So the first thing we've got to have, the first thing that's required of us is the faith to go. The second thing that's required of us, it requires an urgency to share. If we're really going to have a passion to share our faith, it takes a faith, requires a faith to go, but secondly, requires an urgency to to share. Look with me in verse 27 through 31. Look what it says again. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court of, uh, official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all the treasures. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet. And he said, do you know what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me or someone tells me? Now look what happens in the story. Philip been told to rise and go, and he rose and went, right? 
Now he's going and he's doing what the Lord, the angel through the Lord has told him to do. And now you see this urgency in him on this path. Listen, remember, a path less traveled to a place that is fairly desolate. He comes across an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, eunuch is someone, as you probably know this, is someone that could not have kids. And the reason we know it's an Ethiopian eunuch is because what most commentators will tell you, scholars will tell you, they want you to know that he was a Gentile. There's some debate whether eunuchs were Gentiles or Jews, but in this case, we're fairly confident it was a Gentile because he was an Ethiopian eunuch, which means this. If he was a Gentile, he was either had converted to Judaism or he was in the process of converting to Judaism because he wanted to go worship in the temple. But here's the problem when you're a Gentile and you go to a Jewish temple to worship. You don't get all the way in. They had different courts. And so there was, a, there was a court called the Gentile court. And that was the as far as he'd go. That'd be like some of you that say, let's say you're from Chuliota. And we had a Chuliota court out there. And that, that's as far, we, you couldn't come into the holy place, but you go to the Chuliota court out there. You could stay right out there because you, know, you weren't like everybody else. Now, we would never do that. But that's kind of the idea there, that if you were Jews, you could come into this holy place, not the holy of holies, but a holy place. But if you were a Gentile, as far as you go is the Gentile court, meaning this. You never got to fully and completely worship the Lord. So this guy who's a eunuch, this guy who's a Gentile that got to go to a, a, the Gentile court and do a little bit of worship, this guy, listen to me, this guy is found reading scripture. What does that mean? That means this, this guy is searching. This guy's looking for some answers. And you notice what happened to Philip here? It says that Philip, the spirit told Philip what? He said, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. In other words, hey, I told you to rise and go, and you rose and you went, so here's what I want you to do. In this desolate place, this road less travel, the place you thought you weren't going to run into anybody, guess what? I've had a divine moment ready for you, Philip. Here's an Ethiopian eunuch. I want you to go over to his chariot. Now, how did Philip go over to the chariot? Just a quick question. What does the Bible say? I know what it said. He considered what his options were, right? Maybe that was a chariot that was a little sketchy, and I'm not sure if I should go to that sketchy chariot. Or maybe eunuchs in that day and time, eunuchs were extremely wealthy, and so maybe that was someone that was very privileged and, and almost in royalty, and so I'm intimidated by their wealth. And so maybe he considers options like maybe somebody else who's more esteemed, got more clout, more privilege, maybe he'll go share with them. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's what Philip was thinking, right? And Philip probably looked at it and go, you know what, maybe, maybe tomorrow, Lord, tomorrow's a really good day for me because tomorrow's not today, and I'd rather do it tomorrow. And I, I mean, that's, that's how Philip responded, right? How did he respond? Come on. How did he respond? He ran. <laughs> now think about that. That's like me saying, barbecue, ready, go. And everybody runs out the door to the barbecue. Now I want you to catch what's going on. Philip, rise and go. Philip got up and went. Hey, Philip, the Holy Spirit's speaking to Philip now. Hey, I want you to go to the chariot. He's like, okay, great. And he takes off in a run. A 50-yard dash, here goes Philip all the way to the chariot. Now, there's an urgency about Philip, right? He's running to the chariot, and when he gets there, this urgency turns into intentionality. What does he ask the guy? I hear you reading scripture. Do you know what you're reading, right? He doesn't get to the chariot and go, you know, wait a minute. What if I don't know enough? He's reading scripture. Maybe, maybe I don't have good insight into what he's reading. What if he asks me questions and I, I don't know the answers? I mean, do you see that anywhere in Philip's heart? No. 
This guy had an urgency to share. So when the Lord said, get up and go, he went. And when the Lord said, hey, look, I want you to go to that chariot, he ran to the chariot. He didn't walk. He didn't moonwalk. He didn't strut. He didn't try. He ran to the chariot. Why? Because he had urgency in his heart. And that urgency led to intentionality when he says, do you know what in the world you're reading? Do you have a grip on what you're reading? Now, here's a question that just I've been thinking about. Why in the world do you think Philip was so urgent and so intentional. Why do you think it was so urgent and intentional? And I've been praying about it and thinking about it, and I feel like here's why Philip was so urgent and intentional. It's because he believed the message of Jesus was the best news. He really believed that. He believed the message of Christ was the best news. He knew that this guy was searching. The only thing that could change this guy's life was Jesus. And also, I think the reason he was so urgent, because this guy's reading scripture. And did you see what he was reading? Like sheep that was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shears, who was silent, who never opened his mouth, and his humiliation, with justice was denied, who can describe his generations, for his life was taken away. I mean, what's he talking about? He's talking about the cross, right? Read from Isaiah. I mean, so Philip's like, I want to make sure that you understand the magnitude of what you're reading. What you're reading is the greatest demonstration humanity will ever know about God's love for us. That he would send his only son to die a brutal death on the cross. So Philip was urgent because he wanted him to know the depth of what he was reading. Do you really understand what you're reading? Do you really understand the magnitude and the implications of what you're reading. And I think one of the reasons, <coughs> excuse me, that Philip was so urgent and intentional is this, because he understood that the best news is eternal news. He knew that what he was dealing with was an eternal issue. He wasn't changing a wheel on a chariot. He wasn't rehitching a horse to the chariot. He was sharing a message that could help this man pass from death to life. And so he was urgent in his sharing his faith. And I want you to hear me on this. As a church, as a body of Christ, we need to know that, do, that if we are going to have a heart to share, a passion to share the good, the best news ever of Christ, we need to have the faith to go, but we need to have the urgency to share. Do we really believe that the message of Jesus is an eternal issue? Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that someone who's searching the only way they can find the, the fill the void in their life and find the peace they're looking for is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we really believe the best news is the best news? And if we do, we know people have questions. Do we really believe we want them to understand? They need to know the picture of God's demonstration of his love by sending Jesus to the cross for us. Do we really believe this has an eternal significance? If we do believe that, shouldn't that create urgency in our hearts? If we do believe that, shouldn't that create intentionality? In our hearts. Now, I'm not, I'm not poking at anybody going, why aren't we doing a better job? Because I stink at it too. But I'm telling you, as I read the life of Philip, I'm like, there should be something that ignites in us going, if I really believe it, you can't shut me up. If I really believe it, I'm not going to stop talking about it. When you had your first kids, did you stop talking about it? No. In fact, you talked about it so much, people were sick of you talking about it, right? In fact, when other people had kids, you had to show them pictures of your kids that you had 10 years ago because you were not going to stop talking about it. What about that? Too many Christians have stopped talking about Jesus. And we've stopped talking about the best news that can change someone's eternity. 
And if we're going to have a passion to share it, we must have an urgency to share. And I just want to ask you this before I go to the last point. Are you urgent this morning? Are you really urgent? I'm, I'm talking about like when you get home, you've got a phone call to make. You've got an appointment to set up. For me, I've got a neighbor I've got to go see this week. I mean, are we re- Listen, if we really believe it, it should create urgency in us. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Doug, I, I believe it, but, you know, I don't know. Listen, come on. I know what we really believe by how we live. And if we don't share the gospel, if we're not committed to sharing our faith and pointing people to Christ, then we really don't believe the best news is the best news. And I'm asking, church, if you really believe it, is there an urgency in you? And then there's one more thing that I think it requires of us. If we're going to share with passion, it requires the faith to go, urgency to share, and here's the last one. It requires a desire to be used. Look at me in verse 32 through 35. It says this. Now, the passage that he was reading in Scripture was this. Like a sheep was led to slaughter, and a lamb, before it shears was silent, he opened his mouth, did not open his mouth, and humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Pause. This is a moment the eunuch could have jumped ship, couldn't he? Well, you know, you just got to pray about that. God will reveal it to you. Is that what Philip did? No. What did he do? He asked him a question. Look what Philip said, verse 36. I'm sorry, verse 35. And then Philip did what? What did Philip do? Come on, what did he do? I almost had this robotic picture of Philip like, okay, I'm just going to open it, and all of a sudden God just starts speaking through him, right? He says, and Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Rise and go, he rose and went. Go to the chariot, he ran to the chariot. Why? Because he had a desire to be used. You know how we know that? Because it says in that moment when the question was asked, here's what Philip did. He opened his mouth. You know, there's a lot of times I get in conversations with people that I'm not sure what I'm going to say. I'm not. And I'm saying I wing it because I don't wing it. I'm not a wing it kind of guy. But I don't know what I'm going to say. But I know this, that if I have the faith to open my mouth, God will give me the words to say. And I could mumble through it. I could jumble through it. I could screw it up as good as anybody else. But you know what? The Holy Spirit may have them hear it in a way that's clear, concise, and exactly what he wants them to hear, despite how it came out of my mouth. But it requires me going, I so want to be used by God, even in the face of my fear, even in the face of my inability to know it all, I'm going to open my mouth. Some of us need to start there this morning. Commit to open your mouth. And did you notice where Philip began? Did Philip begin with his own experience? No. He didn't begin with his own bias. It says he began with what? What did he begin with? Scripture. He began with Scripture teaching. Now, the Scripture here he's referring to is the Old Testament Scripture. He's, he goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and he starts talking about Old Testament prophecies that Jesus would have fulfilled. Now, why would he start with Scripture? Because Scripture paints the best picture of the love, the grace, and the mercy of God through the person and the work of Christ. And he begins to share not his opinion, but he begins to share Christ. And my question is this. Do we have a desire? Listen, do we have a desire? Do you have a desire to truly be used 
by the Lord. And if you do, just open your mouth. And you need to have some words to say. And so last week, we handed these out. In fact, they're on the table right behind Willie back there, if you didn't grab one. These are, you know, when I was in student ministry, I mean, when I was a student in student ministry many years ago, like 32 years ago, I, I, there was this witnessing track called Eternal Life. That's how I learned to share my faith. But we have something called the best news, and it's so simple. We went through it last week a little bit. But if you're struggling with what, what when I open my mouth, what should come out, Doug? Grab one of these. Grab 10 of these. Hand them out this week. Take it to somebody. Even if you don't know what to say, you can at least walk them through this because this tells you the bad, the worst, the good, and the best, and Scripture to back it up. We just have to have a desire. If we really have a desire to be used by God, we've got to have the heart that says, I'm just willing to open my mouth. Now, I want to close the passage out by looking how God used Philip. Look what happened after this. So Philip opens his mouth. He has a desire to be used. And look what happens in verse 36 through 40. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, and Philip the eunuch, uh, Philip the eunuch was, he baptized him. Now let's pause there for a minute. Somewhere in this journey, this eunuch said yes to Christ. Somewhere when Philip was sharing the good news of Jesus, the eunuch said yes to him. And as he's traveling along, they see a body of water, and he says a very peculiar phrase. He's like, what would prevent me from getting baptized? Now you say, well, that's not a really big deal. It was a big deal because he was a Gentile, remember? And he knew that when he went to the temple, there was something that prevented him from really meeting with God. And it was the fact he was a Gentile. So he asked a legit question. Hey, I've now accepted Christ. What would prevent me from being baptized? And obviously, what was Philip's answer? Nothing. And so Philip got down out of the chariot with this Ethiopian eunuch, and Philip had the privilege of helping this guy declare his faith in the Lord through believer's baptism. And look what happens next, verse 39. It says this, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. As Philip left him, how did he leave him? Rejoicing. Now, why do you think he was rejoicing in? Just speculation. I think a couple things. What do you think he was rejoicing in? First of all, I think he was rejoicing in that this guy was going to spend eternity apart from Christ. Now he's going to spend eternity with Christ. This guy just got saved. I mean, that's something we're celebrating, isn't it? When people come to faith in Christ, is that something we're celebrating? Sure it is. But I'll tell you another thing I think he was rejoicing in is that God, that you would use somebody like me. God, that you would use somebody like me, someone who's unqualified, someone who's not skilled, someone who would just willing to be available, someone when you said rise and go, I rose and went, someone when you said go to the chariot, I ran to the chariot because I have some urgency, someone that you know has a desire to be used. God, I'm rejoicing because you chose to use me, unqualified, unskilled, screwed up, and you used me. And Philip was rejoicing. And look what happens at the very end. I love this. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You know what? That wasn't a one and done for Philip. As he left there, what did Philip continue to do? Preach the message of Christ. After this one moment with the eunuch, a moment where he got to share the gospel, this guy came to faith, he got to baptize him, declaring his faith in Christ, Philip was rejoicing. And as God took him away from there, he continued to preach about the best news ever. And what I want us to think about this morning, church, I want us to realize this, that this guy, Philip, 
had a heart that was filled with faith, a heart that was filled with urgency, and he had a desire to be used by God. And guess what? God used him, and he will use you too. He will use you too. I don't know about you, but here's one thing I know about the world we live in. We live in a world where people around us, they are searching. They're searching for truth. They're searching for hope. They're searching for peace. They're searching for love. They are searching. But can I tell you what's awesome? Is you have the answer. All of that is found in what? The person and the work of Jesus. And I just pray for this this morning. I pray that for a church and for a, as a body of believers that we would come to a place and say, Lord, I want to have the faith to go. So when you say get up and go, I'm going to go. God, I'm going to pray that I have the urgency to share. So when you point me in the right direction, I don't kind of, you know, kind of walk around it, walk away from it. I run to it because I have a desire to be used by you. And if you're a believer this morning, which one of these three areas that we talk about are you struggling? Is it the faith to go? Is it urgency in sharing? Or is it just a desire to be used by God? And whichever area you're struggling, would you make a commitment to the Lord this morning? Would you ask him to give you the faith to go, the urgency to share, and a desire to be used by him? And listen, if you will do that, I believe with everything in me, he will use you. Because guess what? You're, you and I are all flawed, amen? Not convinced. We're all flawed. We are. We really are. We're all messed up. We're all unqualified. But he still wants to use you. He still wants to use me. Why? Because his best news is worth sharing. And do you believe that this morning? And maybe somebody's here this morning and you're like the Ethiopian eunuch. Maybe this morning you're that person, you know what? You're searching. You've been searching and searching and searching. And today you need to realize that the answer you're looking for is Jesus. That he went to a cross for you. The greatest demonstration of God's love for humanity was sending his son to a cross. And he did it because he loves us. And maybe today you need to say yes to that. Or maybe you're like the eunuch and you've said yes to that, but you need to be baptized. You need to declare to the world that you're a follower of Christ and you've never been baptized. Would you make that commitment today? In fact, in almost all of your seats, you came across one of these little blue response things. It's got some announcements in the bottom. It's got a response part. At the bottom of that, if you want to pray to receive Christ, or you're praying to receive Christ today, would you mark that and let us know? If you want to be baptized, would you let us know? If you're struggling, say, Doug, would you pray for me that I would have the faith to go, the urgency to share, and a desire to be used? Would you write that down, that prayer spot, and give it to us at the end, put it in the kind of the bin back there? I would love to pray for you. But here's what I know. I really believe this is the best news, don't you? And if we do, are we ready to go? You know, one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is Isaiah in Isaiah 6. When Isaiah ultimately concludes, he sees God for who he is. He realized who he is. He's a, he's a sinful man who lives among sinful people. But at the end of the day, here was the heart and the cry of Isaiah. Here am I, what? Send me. And some of you, that scares you to death to say that. But can I say this to you? If you will commit to pray that and ask that, he will give you the power to do it. He'll give you the words to say what he once said. All he wants you to do is be available. Are you ready to be sent by God? And if you need to trust him, would you do it today? If you need to be baptized, would you let us know that? What, however you need to respond, would you be faithful to do that this morning? Let's all stand together if you would. Everybody stand with me. Let's all stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. And let's just go to the Lord. God, I pray today for a bunch of people to want to be a Philip. God, I, when I read the story, it, 
I'm inspired by Philip. Because God, in my own humanity and my own sinful way of thinking, I'm looking for the loopholes. Because I, I, I have fear too. I struggle with it. I struggle with the thinking I, I don't know enough. I know my own sinful heart and why in the world would you use me? But God, Philip inspires us that when you say go, we need to have the faith just to go. To trust you have a plan. You have a purpose. And you will give us the power to do what you've called us to do. God, I pray that we would have an urgency to share. Philip understood that the message he was reading, the scripture he was reading, was a scripture of life and death. And that he so desired for this Ethiopian eunuch to experience it that he ran to him and he shared the good news of Jesus. Lord, may that be our heart this morning. We've got family members, we've got neighbors, we've got loved ones, we've got people at work that we know that don't know Christ, and would you create an urgency in us to go and share? And God, both of those things stem from the last thing we talked about, and that's a desire to be used by you. So God, I pray for believers in the room, that wherever one of these areas that we struggle, whichever the three we struggle with, that we would make a new commitment to you that we would quit making excuses of why we can't and start saying why we won't and would you change our heart this morning. And then God, I pray for that person like Philip that needs to say yes to Jesus. They've been searching. Lord, I pray that they would just acknowledge they know they're a sinner, that they've missed the mark of perfection, that they know there's nothing they can do to be right with you on their own merit. And today they would just simply say, I put my faith in Jesus that it was his blood on that cross that can cover and pay for my sin debt. God, I pray for somebody to do that today. And then I pray for some Phillips in the room too, Lord, that have made that decision, but have never declared it publicly and they need to be baptized. They need to let the world know that they're a follower of Jesus. God, would you just work in our hearts this morning? Would you just move in this moment and will we be faithful to yield to you? For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask, we're going to have a few people slide to the sides of the room, just kind of pull the curtains back. I don't know, who, I don't care which one of our families do that. If you'll just slide to the side and kind of pull the curtains back. Maybe this morning, outside of this, you've got some stuff weighing on you. And you just need somebody to pray with you. Somebody just to go to the Lord on your behalf. Man, I think I see Jason Kelly over here. And, and we're going to have some that are going to be over here that would love to pray with you. Pat and Willie will be over here. And so if you just need somebody to pray with you, just lift you up. Would you just kind of slide to the sides and say, would you just go to the Lord on my behalf? But here's the most important thing this morning. As we look at Scripture, are we like Philip? Or do we got some areas that we need to give to the Lord and ask him to strengthen us? And if you've got some areas, would you figure out what those are? And would you ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me that faith to go? Would you give me that urgency to share? Because I have a desire to be used by you. So have the Lord lead you. Would you be faithful to respond to that as we continue to worship?